Are you in college or know someone who is? The Thomistic Institute Study Abroad Program is now accepting applications for the spring semester of 2025. Live steps from the Colosseum with like-minded students and explore the ancient and medieval intellectual tradition of Rome at the Dominican Order's Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas. Don't miss this life-changing opportunity. Limited spots are available. For more information, go to thomisticinstitute.org slash Rome. That's thomisticinstitute.org slash Rome. Welcome to the Thomistic Institute podcast. Our mission is to promote the Catholic intellectual tradition in the university, the church, and the wider public square. The lectures on this podcast are organized by university students at Thomistic Institute chapters around the world. To learn more and to attend these events, visit us at ThomisticInstitute.org. But I know that if you're like me and like most most generations, you have to sort through a lot of counterfeit conceptions of what it means to be a leader. We have this notion that to be a leader is to be an island, right? It's a kind of unbreakable force separate from, from others. And certainly that's one way of, of being a leader. Uh, but I doubt it's very effective over the long haul. And most of you, all of you, I think, will find yourselves very soon, if you've not already, <clears throat> caught up in projects and pursuits that uh, are simply impossible to achieve on your own. In this life, in a world like this one, for creatures like us, there's nothing really worth doing, certainly nothing great that can be done without the help of friends. Tonight we're going to be talking about friendship. I, I want to begin just with a, a couple of ideas about the importance of friendship, and I also want to just pause to explain how I'm going to be approaching this topic. I'm an Aquinas scholar, that's a, a scholar of St. Thomas Aquinas. He was a 13th century theologian and philosopher and preacher who, well, like you in many ways, he, you know, he he gave away a lot to do what he did. He was a preacher. He took, a, like all the members of his order in his day, he took a vow of poverty took a vow of chastity, took a vow of obedience, and dedicated his life to the pursuit of philosophy and theology and service of the church. And as part of that pursuit, he began expositing the newly available commentaries on Aristotle, which had been lost to the West and were then newly recovered in his day, due in large part to the Crusades. And what he finds when he turns to the 8th and ninth books of Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, is this a book familiar to you? You know it? What he finds there is a treatise or, or two books on friendship and its kinds. 
And he begins there, Aristotle, with a, a number of hortatory reasons, a kind of rousing invitation to the topic that is meant to underscore the reasons why one would begin studying friendship in a treatise on ethics, right? So it, there's no question about the place of a discussion of fortitude in a treatise on ethics or courage. There's no question about the place of justice in a treatise on ethics. But when Aristotle turns to these eighth and ninth books, now that he has examined what he takes to be a comprehensive catalog of virtues, and he turns to this topic of friendship, he, he states a number of reasons. And I'm going to be speaking to you now this evening out of Aquinas's commentary on Aristotle's treatise on friendship. Now, I want to underscore also that though what we have here in St. Thomas's commentary is in fact a commentary, it's not just that. There's a lot you would need to say about the genre in order to understand what he's doing. But there are, in addition to Thomas's very perspicuous comments on the letter of the text, a number of insights that I think that transcend the letter of the text that, in other words, take Aristotle beyond Aristotle and begin to apply his thought in a new direction. And, and I'll flag a couple of those. But first, why, why think about friendship? Well, Thomas expositing Aristotle gives us several reasons, and he, I won't read all of them, but he points to uh, no less than six. The first reason, I'm quoting, why friendship should be discussed in a treatise on ethics is that the consideration of virtue pertains to the, to the moral philosopher, and although friendship is not a virtue, it's something like virtue, insofar as it's what it, Thomas here calls an elective habit. And I'll explain that later. So, though, so although friendship isn't a virtue, it bears some semblance to virtue and therefore warrants a place in our thinking about ethics. A second reason. Thomas here expositing Aristotle says, the moral philosophy takes consideration of all things that are necessary for human life among which friendship is especially necessary insofar as no one who's well-disposed, I mean, really, you could gloss that as no one who isn't crazy, would choose to live without friendship, even if they had every other exterior good. For those who possess such goods, he's thinking here of things like wealth, okay? He's thinking of, of, of honor and fame, He's thinking of material wealth, things like shelter. Anyone who had right all these goods to the fullest extent, the wealthy, rulers, and the powerful, uh, and so on, uh, all those who possess these goods to the greatest extent, uh, they, they find that without the aid of friendship that these goods bring more sadness than joy. Second, or third, rather, we need friendship, we need friends, because we are at various stages of life, all of us, in need of various kinds of help. And here, Thomas 
divides human life just for the for the time being into roughly two categories thinking here of the young and the old so you're young and i i wonder i don't know anymore honestly which side of the line i fall on i mean this boot isn't a good indication uh but you're young and you need friends because you are at times but too exuberant and you need friends to hold you back and but there will come a day where that exuberance will will fade and you will need friends to sustain you and carry you along friendship is moreover a natural phenomena i mean we don't often think in these terms, but we can and should recognize that we're animals. And like cheetahs and elephants and narwhals and every other kind of critter besides, we have a natural history. There's a, there's a part of our life, a large part of it, that is simply natural to us in virtue of the kinds of things we are. And we're not solitary creatures. Right? When you're when you were born, you didn't hatch. And right, just you know, your only job was see if you could make it to the sea, and then it was kind of like, good luck. You're a social creature. Raised in community, inclined toward it in essentials. And we often attend to that which is most basic to our our lives in terms of our animality. Finally, Thomas, following Aristotle here, mentions reasons for considering friendship with respect to order and justice. He tells us, and I'll quote, it seems that cities, by here he means political regimes, are preserved precisely by friendship, end quote. So the idea here is that whatever else, whatever friendship is, and I, we haven't yet said much about that, or if anything, that it's so, it's not only necessary and natural, it's also a preservative. It's something on which the health of our communities stand or fall. So much so, Thomas continues, that if there are friends, quoting again, if, if we have friends, we have no need for justice in the strict sense because they would have everything as though in common since a friend is like another self. However, justice does not relate to oneself, but if they're just, nevertheless, they still need friendship. And what is most just seems to be preservative and restorative of friendship and therefore pertains much more to the moral philosopher to consider, consider friendship injustice. He's underscoring here the sense in which the, the terms of our relationships, the obligations that are implicit in them and are made explicit at various times, recede into the background to the degree that we are relating to one another as friends. Right? There's a large difference between one political stranger placing demands on another and uh, 
one friend appealing to another, precisely out of friendship, for, uh, for help, for a certain uh, mode of conduct. I'm just trying here to stimulate some thinking on your part about what friendship is, and now I, I want to begin saying something about that. And to do that, I'm going to exposit extemporaneously here Thomas's account of friendship insofar, insofar as it can be found in the Nicomachean ethics. And I want to submit this here on your handout, you'll see some enumerated points in answer to the question, what is friendship? Now, someone was worried that the handout looks like a test. And uh, all I can say to that is, well, I, the last thing I'd like to do is grade a test tonight, so I can assure you it's, it's not. This is not a multiple choice exam. What you have before you are, in outline form, a series of points about the, what Thomas calls the ratio or the nature of friendship. And he tells us here that friendship consists, in the first place, in a kind of benevolence or more specifically, consistent of kind of love. Now, there's a balmy term. There's a contested term. There's a vacuous phrase, notion that's thrown around in various ways. What do I mean by love? Okay. Now, you may want to write this down because I think, no, this isn't my idea, but this is a pretty good one. Thomas says... To love someone is to will them some good. At its core, to love someone is to will them some good. Now, the goods that we will for others and for ourselves may vary. They may be genuine goods. They may be inauthentic goods. They, they may be dangerous uh, false goods. And the falsity of the goods we will for ourselves and others or the truth that obtains in them will be one way in which we are able to specify the degree to, to which our love is in fact good. But in any case, the point stands that to love someone is to will them some good. And Thomas wants to say there are now basically two kinds of love. First, there's the kind of love by which you will some good to another for his or her own sake. And then there's the kind of love that you have for the thing you will to the other. So I'll give you a, a very, uh, an example that's ready to hand. I, I had a burger tonight for dinner. I love hamburgers. And maybe you do too. What am I saying when I say I love hamburgers? I'm saying not that I will some good to hamburgers. I'm saying that hamburgers are precisely the good I will for me. I love them in that sense. And 
on this basis, Thomas is going to say something like, look, for this reason, when we're talking about friendship, we're not talking about the kind of love that one can have for hamburgers or for wine or, you know, this may be hard for some of you, even for a dog or a horse. I mean, I, I'm a dog guy, so this is, this is but, and we, we shouldn't go too far into the weeds, but the point here is that, what? There's a kind of love that, that consists in willing good to another, and it's a specifically human kind of love that obtains among humans. And Thomas's idea is that the first feature of every kind of friendship involves some this specific kind of love. But look, you won't have a friendship just because it turns out to be that you love some or love someone or will something to someone. In order to have a friendship, Thomas says, there's something else that has to obtain. And that is that you must will some good to another who wills you some good in return. And he, and he quips about this. He has a little, a little aphorism. He says, a friend is a friend to a friend. What is a friend? A friend is someone who you love and by whom you are loved in turn. Or again, a friend is someone to whom you will some good and by whom you are willed that same good in return. So there must be some kind of mutuality, you see? I mean, this is kind of the hard thing to figure out, you know? You, you find yourself enamored with another person, and, you know, that doesn't make <laughs> for much if there's no reciprocity. All right, now here's the third thing. The notion of friendship that Thomas is laying out here not only requires what he calls lo love of friendship or, or love simply speaking, not only requires a kind of mutuality, but all of this has to be nested in, in, in a very specific set of circumstances. And it's hard to get his word for this into the English. So I'm just going to keep it as it is because it can be applied analogously in many different cases. He says that to have a friendship, you have two people who love one another and who are, who are joined together in some kind of communicatio. A communicatio, it's, from, it's the word from which we get the, the idea of communication, right? A communicatio can be translated in a very general sense as a kind of sharing you might render it as a kind of fellowship. It's a kind of togetherness. And in the most technical sense, a communicatio obtains in every instance in which you have two or more persons who are joined together in the pursuit of some mutual good. That's a, that's a, let me say that again. A communicatio obtains whenever there are two or more persons who are joined together in the pursuit of some mutual good. 
Let me give some examples. These are Thomas's examples. There is what's called uh, the communicatio of the battlefield. You have a communicatio and you, you really want one. You don't want just a bunch of people kind of doing their own thing, <laughs> right? That's not, that's not going to work. Uh, you want people joined together in the mutual pursuit of what? What's the good being sought? Victory. Uh, here's another example. The communicatio of the road or the fellowship of the road. You know, have you ever been on a trip with someone who you otherwise wouldn't have spent any time with? And as soon as that trip's over, the fellowship that has been forged there basically dissolves. You were, for a short time, joined together in the mutual pursuit of what? A common destination. Political citizens are engaged in a communicatio insofar as the members of a political community are engaged in the mutual pursuit of the common good. What's good for that regime, that polity. Thomas's idea is that friendship is like this. It is a mutual pursuit of some good together in concert with some, at least one other person. Now, there's an interesting insight that we get from Thomas that I don't think we find yet in Aristotle. And it pertains to what, in the case of what I'm going to in a moment call true friendship, this good being sought in every friendship is. So let me ask you, if it's true that you love your friends and are loved by them in turn, and it's true that you are engaged precisely as friends in the mutual pursuit of something, and I mean, it seems, just as a basic anthropological point, true, right? You're, you're here with your friends. What are you doing? What are you pursuing? What is the good that friends will for one another? Any thoughts? Yeah. Thought? The first thing that comes to my head is um, in our daily lives, we're probably consciously pursuing the, like, the firstly goods of them. So, like, health, probably success at their job, at whatever. But I think in a supernatural sense, we also kind of, like, want to want them to get. Good. You're way ahead of me, though. You're way ahead. No, I, I, I like it. I like it, but I'm going to pull you back. Th yes. There's this colloquial saying that we say collaborate to graduate. So this this concept. Okay. Right. So that would be the common good, the the good that you're seeking in conjunction with one another, insofar as you are students or cadets. But I want to ask about your friendships. Your. Which and and I grant the point that. You're, you are you share in a kind of friendship with your cadets, 
co-cadets. Uh, pardon me if I'm not using the right lingo. I'm sure I'm butchering it. You'll have to help me. Yeah. Or I'd say um, I try and see truth or veritas for. Good. Certainly the case. This is a this is a bit of a stumper. I I think that's true, but I don't think it's the it is the good that is principally sought in the case of friendship. Yes. It's not. It's not too simple. It's it's actually it's exactly the case. The good that friends will for one another, now think about this, is precisely their friendship. What do you want for your friends? You want for them to be your friends. You want for this thing, this friendship, to go on, to continue. If to love someone is to wish them some good, and every form of friendship, or true friendship as I'm going to call it, consists in willing someone some good, then I'm suggesting that the thing that friends will one another most of all, in addition to the truth, in addition to eternity with God and one another, is precisely this mutual relishing, this friendship. This is Thomas's thinking. You can contest it. I'm going to stop in in a moment, and we'll we're going to discuss all this. All right. Once you have this general conception of friendship up and running, okay. And I'm going to say it again. It's a it a, a, some kind of friendship obtains when you have two or more persons who wish another some good, in the context of some actual communicatio, actual sharing of life. You can begin to see that. There are, there is not simply one kind of friendship, but many, and we've been discussing some of those already. And Thomas sees, following Aristotle, that there are basically two different ways that you can begin to think about the various kinds of friendships that you are always, that you are already caught up in. On the one hand, you can begin to distinguish friendships as we've already been doing on the basis of different kinds of fellowship, different kinds of sharing. There's a kind of friendship that you share with your blood relations, right? That it's based on what's the connection here? What's the essential sharing? Well, I mean, it's actually your, your consanguinity. It's the, 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 it's the, (laughs) the mutual life of the family. Okay, you can begin to distinguish various kinds of friendship on this basis, different modes of sharing, which are indexed to different goods that that uh, we will one another in different areas of life. Or you can begin thinking, as Thomas does, about the different ends that are sought in friendship, which is to say the different aspects or considerations under which we come to uh, to will others some good. So these are all going to be very obvious to you as soon as I say them. 
because you've all been part of and will continue to be part of what Thomas calls, in the first instance, friendships of utility. Now, this might sound like a um, a, a, a diminutive or a, a kind of a failure of friendship, and it certainly doesn't obtain to the perfect notion of friendship, but it's also just a basic part of human life. I mean, we we are engaged, all of us, in various kinds of relationships that are where the mutuality, the coming together and the mutual pursuit of that of that good is a, a matter of the benefit that that pursuit brings to both of us. And we need these kinds of friendships, right? You hurt your foot playing pickleball, you go to the doctor. The doctor, right? He that's a useful guy to have around. Right? You want you want something like that when things go wrong, when the pipes burst in your house. Good to know a plumber, so on and so forth. There's another kind of friendship. Thomas calls it by various names, the most basic being friendship of pleasure. This too falls short of the perfect idea of friendship, though which I've I've referred to here as true friendship. It's the the friendship that uh, it's the friendship among drinking buddies and casual friends of various kinds. So there are relationships, various forms of friendship that are forged on the mutual pursuit of pleasure. And Thomas sees that they're not very sturdy, these friendships. And the, the reason they're not very sturdy is because as soon as the, the possibility of pleasure for one or more one of the parties dissolves, the friendship dissolves with it. And these are, these are basically imperfect, but nevertheless genuine forms of friendship in which, uh, which are a kind of shadow of true friendship as Thomas understands it. True, true friendship being here, the kind of friendship in which one wishes another some good, not simply for the utility that one gets from it, not simply for the pleasure that accrues, but for the sake of the friend himself. It's also the case, by the by, that these are true friendships, the most useful and most pleasurable forms of friendship. And isn't it interesting that that's the case, quite apart from the fact that it that neither utility or pleasure are the thing principally sought in the in the case of friendships like this. So lay it out here. For you, I mean, you can think of this like a, this won't be a perfect analogy, but, you know, you learn the periodic table and you, your world begins to look a little bit differently. You can name things in it. You can, you can categorize them. You can begin to understand the, the building blocks of more complex realities. And what I'm wanting to do here is to lay out this conception of friendship for that reason, but 
Then I just want to put before you what I think is a good evening, a truly remarkable idea. And that's this. What draws Thomas Aquinas to this conception of friendship ultimately is in fact a kind of friendship that I have not yet named. It's I should say it is a kind of true friendship, but it's a very specific instance of true friendship. In fact, he thinks it's uh, a friendship that in which true friendship is maximally instantiated. What's that? He gets the idea from John 15, where Jesus says to the disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And Thomas thinks if Jesus calls the disciples friends, and then if by extension he calls us his friends, then there must be here some conception of friendship on account of which we could make sense of what it would mean to be friends of Christ, to be friends of the living God. And Thomas finds that when St. Paul says in Romans that the love of God has been shed abroad or poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, he puts these two passages together, Romans 5, 4 on the one hand, and John 15 on the other, and sees that in, in Christ, we have a kind of friendship that perfectly conforms to this general notion of friendship that Thomas originally finds in Nicomachean Ethics. We find that is the same in our relationship or our friendship with God, that we have a friend who wishes us some good and by whose grace we enables us to love him and others in him in return. And we find in that friendship that the good being willed, the good that God wills for us, is nothing less than friendship with God. And the good that God bids us seek is nothing less than friendship with God. And the good that God would have us will for others when, when we are called to love them is nothing except this very same friendship with God. Which is to say, it's a kind of loving and being loved in return. And not simply a mere well-wishing where friends will, will or persons will wish each other some good from afar, but will actually be joined in the mutual pursuit of working for one another's good in the context of some of a kind of society, a kind of fellowship, kind of gathering. That is what St. Thomas Aquinas calls the church. And the last thing I would like to say to you, since it may be the last time I have a chance to address a group like this, is that there is a kind of friendship in this life that I, 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 I know that you cannot, I cannot, none of us can live without. And so I just want to exhort you to consider this idea 
this, um, which is an idea, but also an invitation. This notion that we are indeed friends of God. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks, please consider showing your support at www.thomisticinstitute.org slash donate. Your donation of even a dollar helps us reach more college students and many others with the powerful truths of the faith, and it ensures that we can keep publishing top-notch lectures on this podcast. Thanks a lot.